I'd like to begin by wishing Caitlin Johnstone a very happy birthday and happy holidays. What I'm about and what I'm trying to accomplish here. I assume by here she means this dimension. Every year around my birthday, I like to write an article outlining my overall perspective and what's driving my output on this little platform of mine. I do this primarily in the interests of transparency. I believe that all journalists and commentators have biases and agendas, and the best they can do given that reality is be transparent about what those are. As a crowdfunded writer, it's important for me to be clear about where I stand and what I'm trying to do so that people can decide if my project is something they want to contribute to advancing. I have a journalism degree, but it became clear to me before I graduated that there's no real path to doing real journalism in the legacy media, which was dominant at the time, so I focused on the motherhood adventure until I stumbled into this commentary gig by accident in 2016 just from writing my opinions about Bernie Sanders and how unjustly the progressive movement was being treated by the mass media and the democratic establishment. I am an avowed socialist and always have been. I believe if human behavior remains driven by competition and profit, we will compete ourselves into extinction by chasing after whatever world-traumatizing endeavor is profitable from day to day. If humanity exists in the future, it's because we learn to move out of our individualistic model of competition and into a collaborative relationship with each other and with our ecosystem where everyone and everything is cared for by the collective. I don't know if that collaborative relationship will be called socialism or something else, but for now I find it a good placeholder word and the basic direction I'd like to see things moving in. Even more than socialism, I support transparency of the powerful. I believe if the public just had a clear image of what's happening in our world and the murderous oligarchic forces that are steering us into destruction, they would naturally use the power of their numbers to force drastic changes away from our omnicidal, ecocidal status quo and towards something much healthier. It is only the ability of the powerful to use government, corporate and financial secrecy, internet censorship and mass media propaganda to hide and distort the truth which prevents this from happening. This is why nobody is so reviled and demonized by establishment propagandists as those who reveal inconvenient truths and promote unauthorized narratives. I want to break in here and say that I'm giving you the abbreviated version of this article, the Reader's Digest version. As always, I put the links to the articles I read in the information section underneath the podcast and underneath the YouTube video. And that's primarily what I'm doing here, my part in helping to bring consciousness to the fact that our world is ruled by manipulative sociopaths who are pouring massive amounts of resources every single day into controlling the way people think, act, and vote so as to preserve the interests of existing power structures. I also see it as necessary for humanity to awaken its consciousness inwardly as well. If humans are to survive, we cannot remain driven by ego and fear because as long as we are, we'll remain easy to manipulate and propagandize and we will inevitably keep finding our way onto self-destructive trajectories. For millennia, wise humans have been writing about the potential within us all to bring consciousness to our inner processes and begin functioning in a healthy and harmonious way, and our current evolve-or-die predicament means we're about to either see that potential unlocked in us at mass scale or go the way of the dinosaur. Now I'll jump to two more articles by Caitlin Johnstone. Imperialism 2.0, Notes from the Edge of the Narrative Matrix, and you have no obligation to conform to a wildly sick society. 
Imperialism 2.0 begins with a map of U.S. military facilities in Australia. There are quite a lot of them. The new imperialism doesn't look like old-school ground invasions. It looks like multi-front cold wars, economic warfare, blockades and starvation sanctions, drone strikes, arming proxy militias, CIA-backed coups, sprawling tech surveillance networks, mass psyops of unprecedented sophistication, and narrative management systems to facilitate them. Peace activists need to be looking in this direction, especially as the U.S. gets a new Secretary of State who advocates this exact approach to imperialism. I've included this Dan Cohen tweet before because Kate has also included it before. Nominee to lead the State Department, Tony Blinken, recently explained that Biden's pledge to end the forever wars means the U.S. will reduce large-scale deployments while expanding secret wars waged by special forces and proxies. As for ending the forever wars, Tony Blinken says not so fast. Large-scale, open-ended deployment uh, of large standing U.S. forces in conflict zones with no clear strategy uh, should end and will end under his watch. But we also need to distinguish between, for example, uh, these endless wars with the large-scale open-ended deployment uh, of uh, U.S. forces with, for example, uh, discrete, small-scale, sustainable operations, uh, maybe led by special forces. Why do all the people who have spent time in close proximity to Barack Obama sound exactly like him after a while? And Tony Blinken is one sneaky bastard. Imperialism 2.0 is designed to operate so invisibly we don't even notice it's happening. No mass troop deployments, no flag-draped bodies flying home in planes, and they hope no potent anti-war movement in response to it. In the new imperialism, there are still troops deployed all over the world, but they're there with the permission of the puppet regimes they installed, and they exist primarily to protect the infrastructure of the invisible imperialism so it can't be countered with conventional warfare. The more powerful and expansive the empire becomes, the more invisible imperialism can be. In theory, it could eventually have so much control that any population which rises up against it can be silently choked off from the entire world economy and starve to death very quickly. The U.S. Empire staged a coup in Australia to oust Prime Minister Go Whitlam in 1975 for insisting on Australian national sovereignty, then staged another one to oust Prime Minister Kevin Rudd in 2010 for being seen as too friendly with China. U.S. troops in Australia are therefore an illegitimate occupying force. Our national sovereignty has been stolen to turn us into a U.S. military slash intelligence asset, nothing more than a convenient stretch of land in the Indo-Pacific to prepare for war with China. We're a glorified airbase with kangaroos. That's why we've been so powerless to save Julian Assange from Washington's clutches. And this piece ends with a series of bullet points and each one of them is a jewel. Sanctions are the only act of war where it's considered perfectly acceptable to deliberately target a civilian population with deadly force. They don't favor them because they're less deadly than bullets. They're not. They favor them because they're easier to sell to the public. We've spent all our lives since childhood watching Hollywood movies and TV shows about evil villains doing wicked deeds to try and rule the world, yet hardly anyone ever notices that that's exactly what the U.S. Empire is. 
What society considers a good journalist should be one who holds power to account, asks critical questions, and reveals important information without interest in approval or conformity. Instead, anyone who tries to embody these values will be attacked, smeared with an array of dismissive pejoratives, and told they're not a journalist at all. The most powerful corporation in the world, which openly collaborates with the most powerful government in the world, is now censoring videos about election fraud in the nation with the worst election system of any Western democracy. Now, we want to point out here again that Caitlin is not a Russian asset. Caitlin is not a closet Trump supporter. But we need to tell the truth about how fraudulent the DNC is when it comes to elections. Those who saw the mass media as the linchpin of the status quo were excited when the internet came along because of the information democratizing effect it would have. Then they saw the same power structures which control the mainstream media begin working to control online information. Abnormalize, I like the word abnormalize, the use of the economy when you're really talking about the stock market. If you're talking about something that can be described as booming while millions are facing eviction, you're not talking about the economy. Call it the rich man's casino or something. The rules of internet discourse say that if you don't think nuclear armed nations should be imperiling the world with propaganda-fueled Cold War games, it means you love the government of Russia and or China and think everything they've ever done is awesome. I don't know what species of brainworm it is that makes people think if you oppose Western imperialism, it means you love the governments who are being targeted by Western imperialism, but it would be good if it went extinct. If you're getting your information about the world from Tucker Carlson and his ilk, there is a 100% chance that your views on China were crafted by a U.S. government agency. I think there's a 100% chance that 100% of our views on everything are crafted to some degree by a U.S. government agency. Noam Chomsky at least had that right. It's unacceptable that we live in a world with weapons that can wipe out all terrestrial life, and it's an unforgivable outrage that our rulers have simply accepted it as a given that this must continue. People only think China, Russia, and Iran are behaving aggressively on the world stage because their blindness to Western imperialist aggression makes them incapable of seeing that those nations are actually behaving defensively. The only thing liberals and leftists have in common is that leftists support disadvantaged groups while liberals support pretending to care about disadvantaged groups for marketing purposes. It would be good if everyone stopped pretending there's any more common ground than that. Chris Hedges has that one right. That was Monday's show if you want to go back and watch it. On a list of the things which pose an actual threat to you, conspiracy theorists would rank pretty close to the bottom. You'd never know this from reading the billionaire media, though. And then her last point. A deeply conscious and emotionally intelligent society in which humans collaborate with each other and with their ecosystem to the benefit of all beings, please and thank you. I wonder if that's her entire Christmas wish list. And now, you have no obligation to conform to a wildly sick society. You have no obligation to conform to a society which brands you a Russian propagandist for criticizing the most powerful and destructive institutions on Earth. You have no obligation to conform to a society which brands you a Chinese propagandist for advocating peace and detente instead of loyalty to the continual unipolar domination of a sociopathic global empire at all costs. That was a good one. You have no obligation to conform to a society which brands you a dictator apologist anytime you oppose murderous interventionism and the lies which are universally used to manufacture support for it.
You have no obligation to conform to a society which brands you a crazy conspiracy theorist for believing the plutocratic media distorts the truth to protect the interests of the plutocratic class. You have no obligation to conform to a society which brands you a deranged extremist for saying the system which has marched our species to the brink of extinction is not working. You have no obligation to conform to a society which brands you a freak and an outcast for saying everyone should be given what they need in a world of plenty instead of letting people die while elite predators hoard more than they need. You have no obligation to conform to a society where you are branded a dangerous radical for saying that black and indigenous lives matter and that police funding should be rerouted to programs which actually work. And I'll add to that and say it shouldn't be that we're called dangerous radicals for saying that the police should be abolished altogether. You have no obligation to conform to a society where you are branded a misandrist bitch for saying rape culture is a problem and more consciousness needs to be brought to the power dynamics of gender. You have no obligation to conform to a society where you are branded a loser for choosing to heal your psychological wounds and bring consciousness to your inner processes instead of spreading your mental demons around the world in search of conquest and domination. You have no obligation to conform to a society which turns its back on gentleness, on kindness, on understanding, on deep listening, and stands with greed, violence, oppression, exploitation, and a rat race wherein you must step on your neighbor's head to keep your own above water. You have no obligation to conform to a society which rejects collaboration and harmony in favor of competition and obedience at the expense of the very ecosystem we depend on for survival. The madness of our society gives you permission to turn away from its doctrines and expectations. When everyone's dropping dead after drinking from the punch bowl, you are allowed to take a pass on the Kool-Aid. When the people standing in line for the ride are coming out the other end as ground mincemeat, you have permission to jump the fence and go elsewhere. You have permission to reject the doctrines and expectations of your culture. You have permission to reject the doctrines and expectations of your family. You have permission to reject the doctrines and expectations you yourself have held dear all your life up until the very moment you read this sentence. You are not what they told you you are. You do not have to be what they told you you must be. You do not have to become what they told you you must become. Life is so very, very much more than the thin layer of mental chatter which makes up our whole society could ever begin to perceive. You are so very, very much more than the doctrines and expectations of our pervasively sick culture could ever even guess at. Set down the catechism of culture and make your home in the ineffable. Come and swim in the living waters. Come and sing with the hammerhead whales. Your every breath contains more adventure than all the garbage summer blockbusters that Hollywood has ever made. The energy crackling in your cells this very moment contains more truth than every religious scripture ever written. You are innately worthwhile. You were innately worthwhile the moment you arrived here, before you attained a single attainment, before you earned a single dollar, before you received your first nod of approval from someone with more power than you. You have permission to simply be that and to see where that adventure takes you. Everything our species has tried has led us to a dying world and a society that is stark raving mad, so nobody is in any position to tell you that you are wrong. 
Find that still guiding voice within you which existed before they began caging you with their word spells and just see where it leads you. Wherever it leads, it's better than following the proverbial lemmings off the cliff.